Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and something I like to do is make my spouse buy me fancy shoes and then make them kiss the shoes on me. It's pretty fun. Yeah. (laughs) Just a casual way to spend an afternoon. Who are you, friend? Fantastic. I'm Bex. <laughs> I am a sex educator and porn maker, and I've been thinking a lot about worship lately, which is where this episode kind of came from. Hmm. So I had this idea for an episode uh, a couple of weeks back, actually, when I was brainstorming ideas, I think before the objectification one, and we talked about it a little bit in that one. Um But I was thinking about it because I was flipping through your book and I saw like a couple of different sections on like different types of body worship in different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just thinking about kind of broadly the term of worship and the different ways that it can integrate and uh, be a part of our kink lives, I guess. But to start us off, I guess I'll start specifically by talking about um, different types of body worship. So I guess specifically we think about like cock worship or ass worship or foot worship, but it can be any body part that you find sexy. Um, but I'm curious if you can give a little insight on what makes a scene like a foot worship scene or a cock worship scene and not just like a foot job or a blow job. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is about um, for the receiver to be – celebrated and for that part of their body to be revered and maybe Mm. complimented and just like to have a lot of love and affection shined on this particular part of their body. And I think that also for the giver with worship, there's an element of, if not the religious or spiritual, then like mental devotion to the task or to the person or to the body part um, in a way that for me, goes beyond standard oral sex or whatever, because when I'm giving worship, I'm so focused on that task and on conveying um, love and esteem through what I'm doing that it ends up being different. And there is also Mm -hmm. that element of like losing myself in it the way that you might lose yourself in prayer or meditation or something like that. Like I'm just really, really focused on what I'm doing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think part of what stood out a lot to me is uh, you used the word devotion and the way you talked about like trying to convey love through this, because I think that's definitely a part of it. Um, and when I say love, like I don't mean romantic love necessarily. Like I want right. to say that. Like, And it doesn't even have to be that you love the person. It's, it's just like you love the task or like you love that you're sharing this with this person. Like you can totally do worship in a casual situation. I want to make that clear. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's a love for what you're doing and like Mm -hmm. a devotion to the task at hand. And I suppose in some instances it can even be to like almost in an objectifying degree devotion to that body part over the person, depending on how you're playing with it. Mm Mm-hmm. I also really spoke to what you were talking about, about like losing yourself in it, because I think if I am just like, there are a lot of different ways to suck cock or whatever. Like I've definitely had my cock sucked in ways that were more about the person blowing me than it was about me. Like it was about them getting off and them just enjoying the feeling of 
me being in their mouth or something, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they're... I think for me, these worship feelings definitely come from a uh, particular focus on, like, yes, often blowjobs are about the pleasure of the person getting their dick sucked, but like a particular focus on making them feel good in the ways that feel good and uh, dedicating this time to their pleasure almost. The thing that you said about like that the giver can focus on what it feels like for them and can focus Mm. on making it as good as they can make it feel in their own mouth. Mm. Um, And it doesn't have to be their mouth, like, but I think mouth is often what we're thinking of with worship is oral Mm. worship. Um, That reminded me of like, uh, there's this concept in, I think, sexological body work called sensate focus, um, which I wrote an article about for Cosmopolitan because basically mm-hmm. it's this approach of like, say it's oral sex, I'm going to approach oral sex as if the task is to make my own lips and tongue feel good. And mm-hmm. How would I change my technique based on that? And I find that that approach is really helpful when you're trying to get into a worshipful headspace because it's kind of creating this connection mentally between giving pleasure to this person in this way and like you experiencing pleasure yourself. It's making a link there. And Mm. I find that this technique also helps keep me more like mentally present and focused on what I'm doing because I do have to pay attention to go like, okay, is this pleasurable to me right now? Like, what am I going to change to make it more so? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's like a cool little mental trick that I like to use sometimes. That's really fascinating because that wouldn't necessarily be intuitive to me, but it does make sense. And Mm -hmm. I think um, I, what's fascinating about that is that it also really brings your focus into the physicality and the physical sensations of what you're doing, right? You're not thinking necessarily about like, I don't know, sometimes when I'm blowing someone, I can be thinking of like the broad picture of, well, what are my hands doing? And what is this other part of their body doing? And what am I thinking about? And what are, you know, juggling six million things and stuff. And it can really bring laser focus into the part of the body that you are worshiping and that your mouth is on in that moment. Yep. Yep. So we've talked a lot about blowjobs and cock worship in general, because we are (laughs) the people that we are. Um, I'm curious if, uh, there are any particular parts of the body that you are particularly interested in worshiping on other people or any body parts that you're particularly interested in having worshiped? Yeah. Um, well, one that I'm thinking about a lot lately is clit worship because mm. I think I'm having kind of like a clitoral renaissance the past couple years. Like I'm just, mm-hmm. um, I was always like first and foremost a clitoral stimulation person, but um, mm-hmm. I think I'm, just like I've jettisoned the part of my brain that was that wanted me to get more pleasure from penetration um, and <laughs> less pleasure from clit stuff. Yeah, I've like silenced the inner Freud in my brain finally. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm like much more comfortable these days with like having an entire sex session where like my clit is the main focus um, mm-hmm. if my partner is into that, which my partner is into that. Um, <laughs> so to me, it's like very subversive and hot to think about um, – someone worshiping a clit the way that we talk about cock worship and like when you Mm -hmm. google these things the difference (laughs) is stark in terms of what's available out there like um you know you can certainly find what you're looking for but uh there's just not as many options so people should make more clit worship porn that's what i think is there Um, (laughs) 
So do you just get less results or do you get weird stuff that isn't what you're looking for? Both. Um, Okay. And when I like weird stuff, I think is, I mean, it is weird, but I I don't mean mean that in like a a judgmental way. Um, Right. Weird in terms of what you thought you were going to get, not weird in the realm of human sexuality. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that one thing that's interesting and makes total sense is that there is very little content of this type in the like straight porn category as far Mm. as I have found. Like I do think that this style of oral sex on vulvas is like (laughs) tends to happen more in queer porn. There's just not as much focus on clitoral pleasure in straight porn because it is mostly made by and for straight men, Mm. or at least that's the dominant narrative. Um, And so, you know, I love queer porn. I am queer. I also do like straight porn, though, because I am also attracted to men. And so, like, that's a little bit disappointing for me that I have such a hard time finding good content in that vein. Yeah. I'd be really curious to hear more about what you would look for in, like, a clit worship clip. Because we were talking earlier about how much of this dynamic is psychological, is the mindset that people bring into this and the things they're thinking about. How Mm -hmm. would... You hope to see that conveyed on screen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're really doing a deep dive on my clitoral. I'm sorry, you don't. We, I'm, I'm nosy. No, no this is to, just yeah. <laughs> I, it's great. Um, I think that the main thing is when you look at most cunnilingus in mainstream porn, it is clearly being done for the benefit of the viewer. Mm-hmm. which of course makes sense. Um, and so the things that you're seeing people do, in my mind, at least for my personal taste, usually are not um, like maintaining a rhythm for long enough that like pleasure can actually build, orgasm can actually occur. Um, mm. They're doing a lot of like flicky stimulation that's just like here and there rather than like sustained focus on one area. Um, it just does not look anything like oral sex that I receive when I'm like trying to actually come from oral sex Um, and I think that the lack of emphasis on the pleasure of the receiver is like really striking in terms of it's definitely not worship like it's Mm -hmm. not it (laughs) it has very little respect for like what the receiver is actually feeling I feel because Mm -hmm. it's for the viewer and I know that that's like the point of porn Um, but you know does that make sense (laughs) yeah no that makes a lot of sense and that's part of why I asked because it is as someone who films oral sex on vulvas quite often um it is a struggle to like find the balance between what looks hot and what you can see that is like varied and interesting that i am doing and what Mm -hmm. feels good for the people that i'm playing with because generally when i'm fucking on camera like i yeah it's porn we don't always get off for real but i do like to make like an effort towards that whenever Mm -hmm. I, in all my porn. Um, Because, you know, I try to bring as much of my authentic sex life on screen as I can. Um, And it definitely is a balancing act of like, because many of the things that feel good are things that happen very much inside my mouth. It's warm and wet in there and dicks like it in there. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, it definitely, I've, if you browse the internet, I have found some good angles that I think capture things pretty well. Um, but <laughs> it it definitely is a struggle, um, and I would love to see more folks capture it on camera. Yeah, 
I also like to receive foot worship from time to time. Mm. Have to be mm. in the right mood for that. Um, I sometimes, especially on like bad body image days, I like like full body worship type of scene where like it's sort of my curves and my general form that's being like mm. kissed and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of giving worship, like I really do like Cox a lot. I really, really do. I'm struggling to think of other body parts that I would want to like dedicate myself to for an entire session of worship. I think that there's just like, I, I don't fetishize body parts all that much in the way that a lot of people do. So I mm-hmm. think that, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My mind just went right to dicks. But what about you? What are your favorite uh, body parts to worship or to have worshiped? Yeah. I mean, in terms of giving, I'm, I mean, fairly similar to you. I I like oral worship in general. I like dicks. I like that kind of focused attention. Um, although, uh, but otherwise, I think on the bottom side of things, my worshipful tendencies lean more towards. I guess, like yeah, I guess either you know a full body worship or like an evening of dedicated pleasure and worship or whatever of the Mm -hmm. person I'm playing with rather than leaning towards a specific body part. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned feet and I have been curious about that recently. Mm -hmm. Um, A, because the more I've had my feet played with in a sexy context, the more I, they have actually become erogenous zones, which is a weird little adventure. Like, Mm -hmm. there are parts of... I've mentioned before that there are parts of my armpit that you lick, and I'm like, hey, that goes straight to my dick. Weird, didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Um, (laughs) I have discovered there are bits of my foot that do that, too. Weird and interesting, didn't know. Yeah. Um, So I think foot worship could be neat, A, in terms of that. Um, And just B, in terms of... um, just uh, visually, it is there is something particularly potent about people kneeling at my feet or playing with my feet and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. It is slightly more distance and I guess less intimate, less explicitly sexual maybe for me um, mm-hmm. than genital worship, right? But they are still like separate from me and at my feet and like... um could be either a little bit ignored or very, you know, dotingly paid attention to. Um, but it's got a lot of, like, just really potent stuff in the practicalities of it, less than I feel strongly about feet themselves, although we're getting there. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and then ass worship probably would also feel pretty great just because, like... I like my ass. I'm yeah. Like, I like people <laughs> doing stuff to it. <laughs> well, on feet, uh, while we're talking about mm. that, um, mm-hmm. first of all, that just reminded me. I know I just said I only want to worship cocks, but then you saying that made me realize I do actually like to worship shoes and boots sometimes. Mm, yes. I think it's because I'm into the psychological part of the feet stuff, but I can't get down with the actual feet stuff. Like, it's just mm-hmm. not my thing. Uh, so that makes sense, mm-hmm. but um, and then you just add leather to the equation when you get right. Boots, exactly. So like, yeah. yes. 
perfect and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a theory of how fetishes are formed, which mm. holds that one of the potential reasons for foot fetishism is the crosstalk between the genital area of the brain and the feet area of the brain, which supposedly are very close to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if that has anything to do with the effect you're describing that like you feel stimulation of that area genitally as well. But like, I've also noticed that Um, I did my first foot worship scene when I was a teenager, actually, because I had a friend with benefits who, was like very sexually adventurous and she did not like really fetishize feet, but she just liked to try different things. And she was like, can I suck on your toes and like see what that's like? And I was really surprised. I remember that I said yes, sort of like to appease her and just also to kind of just be like, all right, whatever, let's see what what it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that just feels so different from what I thought it would feel like. And like, it does have to be right. Like it has to be firm enough pressure that it's not ticklish for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to like, obviously be clean and I have to feel safe with the person and like, I can trust them. Um, but yeah, can be really great. Would recommend. <laughs> yeah. It, I am particularly ticklish on the bottom of my feet in like a weird way that I, mm. I don't like it. Ju- I just don't like the way it feels. It doesn't like make me giggle or squirm. It's just upsetting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a weird sensory thing probably. Um, but uh, so I have avoided that mostly, but mm. like, Played with it a little bit. Honestly, so I'm pretty sure this started because I was being a gremlin and tormenting my partner, and (laughs) and they went to get revenge, and here we are. I have a fetish now. (laughs) Um, But so it it was like gradually the sensation has changed the more that like, I don't know, the more that people that they have licked my feet and Mm -hmm. you know the more that i've like experienced that but it's been fascinating and also the whole time we're talking about this i have uh toes by the wet spots stuck in my head which i (laughs) hope at least one of the listeners knows um but the chorus is don't suck my uh don't lick my toes and there is (laughs) at least one line that's that uh compares it to it's like flossing with warm liver and it has I know. (laughs) And my brain has given it to me while people are licking my toes is the thing. Like while fucking cursed all of us with this (laughs) curse as well. That's (laughs) I hear the line of the song. It's like flossing with warm liver. (laughs) Anyway. Had to bring that into the room. So worship. How are we going to get this back to a sexy place now? <laughs> okay. No, by talking about role play, because we're perverts and we like this Ooh, sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought it would be interesting. Um, I'm curious if there are any role plays that come to mind that you feel like p- pair particularly well with body worship. Because this seems like the kind of kink that would be easier to lean into with like some context around it rather than being like, Hey babe, just talk about how great my ass is for the next 20 minutes. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I'm realizing as you say that, that I think I'm not drawn to a lot of the role play scenarios that you could pair with it because I don't, I'm not turned on by the thought of forcing someone to worship me. Like, and I know that mm. obviously kinky forcing is not the same as regular forcing, but right. um, even in fantasy, like, 
that doesn't really do it for me because I just don't buy that they're like really worshiping it like mentally internally in the way that I find hot if I'm like mm-hmm. making them do it in any sense. Um, but I think that sex work is a type of role play that my partner and I have done this with a lot, um, mm-hmm. especially like the fantasy of them being someone who I have hired, um, which in my mind makes sense because like, as I said, clitoral worship is like kind of a specialized thing and like certainly not something I would expect to get from like the typical cishet Tinder bro or whoever. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me that I would maybe hire someone who like has a specialized skill set around that. Um, <laughs> right. And I, I do also like that as like if I'm playing the sex worker, um, although I think for that I prefer to just be like, an indistinct submissive like not necessarily any Mm -hmm. particular role like i just like feeling less than and we can sort of be vague about why (laughs) what about you i just i feel like that (laughs) needs to be on like some by i i just feel (laughs) like being less than we can be vague about why that's what i need to do i need to tell my therapist that i said that that seems like something that i should flag Anyway, just make a note for later. Yeah. This week's episode of The Dildorks is sponsored by Beducated.com. Like, educated, but in bed. Beducated is like the Netflix of sexual wellness. It's an online platform that features video, audio, and written guides containing techniques and information that can help you level up your love life for just $9.99 per month. For those of you who have a vulva or enjoy pleasing vulvas, I want to particularly draw your attention to a course on Beducated.com called Yoni Massage. With the help of this guided course, you'll learn about vulvovaginal anatomy, pick up some new communication strategies for relaxing and connective sex, and learn how to experience or provide next-level vulva pleasure. Click the link in our show notes to check out the Beducated library of expert-backed courses from Tantra to Kink. You can do a one-day free trial to see what you think, and if you decide to sign up, you can use the coupon code DILDORKS. That's D-I-L-D-O-R-K-S. That code will get you 65% off a yearly pass, which offers unlimited access to Beducated's more than 100 hours of video and audio content, high-quality streaming on all devices, and new content released every week. And the discount you get with our Dildorks code will be locked in for life. Click the link in our show notes. Thanks for the support. No, the stuff that comes to mind for me uh, lately, actually, when I'm thinking about this kind of worship has been, um, and maybe it's just because it's some of the flavor of things I've been enjoying lately, um, but like clinical medical play type stuff. Mm. um, In that, like, so this is, um, and this ties into a question I had in a little bit, wherein uh, does the person being worshipped always have to be the dominant? Mm-hmm. Um, which anyone who listened to us is already knows probably not so much. Um, we don't believe in binaries. <laughs> we do not. 
<laughs> um, but, uh, and we believe that submissives can do all the parts of the kinky thing because I'm greedy. Yes, um, you can have it all, submissives. <laughs> uh, but no, I think this kind of, uh, I've been having like a moment with medical play recently because I realize there are corners of it that I enjoy and none of them exist in doctor's offices. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> um, but often it is more things like labs or experiments mm. or um, science-y shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could definitely, if I wanted to tie worship into this, could... Um, Usually, I'm a bit more of a throwaway of an experiment because I'm that kind of pervert. Um, but <laughs> could easily be like a medical marvel or like a prized mm. experiment or like, I don't know, I'm thinking of like a scientist seeing their hypothesis confirmed or discovering some new scientific whatever and that yeah. kind of devotional worship dedication focus that comes with that. Mm-hmm. maybe my dick is a scientific miracle shit i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny it makes me think about how like there's this popular like pop culture recurring joke that like a self-centered guy is just like obsessed with his dick or like thinks that his dick is like the center of the universe or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like it, you can have that feeling but you have to have a healthy outlet for it and i think kink is a healthy outlet for it <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think this is like, yes, kink is a healthy outlook for it for people who like spend enough time feeling like they're the center of the universe. But I think this is also really helpful for people who never really get to feel like they're the center of the universe. True. Right? Or um, have never felt particularly great about a particular part of their body. Yeah. so someone, uh, one of our listeners actually asked, uh, I'll skip ahead a little bit to that listener question, but they meant, uh, asked if there are some ways that body worship can be used to reinforce a positive relationship with one's body, particularly when dealing with dysphoria, chronic pain, and illness, which can lead to having a frustrating relationship to the body. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I actually had a friend reach out to me recently, and she was having a problem uh, sexually, which is that there was a particular thing her partner and her liked to do together, but she felt that she looked weird during it. She was self-conscious about how she looked. Mm. And I gave her the advice that I always give people in any issue related to this, which is like, you're allowed to ask for directly the reassurance that you need and want. Mm -hmm. And a good partner will be more than happy to give it to you. If you have a partner who like, is reacting to that type of ask by rolling their eyes or insulting you instead or anything like that like that's not good that's not healthy um Mm -hmm. you should be able to ask your partner for reassurance so sometimes you know my partner and i will have a little chat before sex to sort of see where we're both at and i might say like i'm having a day where i'm like feeling really bad about my stomach um or my thighs or whatever and they will like take some extra time to like kiss or lick or touch those spots and say nice things about them um and it's just really beautiful um i think that it can be very transformative especially on days when i'm like mad at my own body whether it's because like i feel like it's too chubby that day or like i feel like it's too achy and it can't do the things that i want to do 
Yeah, I think that's really important. And I know I have definitely struggled with like asking for the reassurance that I need because in times when like it feels like I'm getting quote unquote plenty of reassurance, right? Mm -hmm. The person is like enthusiastic or supportive or engaged in like, I'm like, oh yeah, you're checking all the boxes. Weird. My brain found a box that it didn't like. Um, <laughs> there's, you have no way to know that that one is there or that you even need to tick that box. But uh, yeah. it's anxiety setting off alarm bells because you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it feels hard to like ask for that reassurance because it's like, well, but the, if I ask, they're going to think it means they're not doing a good job. Um, yeah. But really, you're just communicating like, Hey, my like these. This is the flavor of reassurance I need, and the fact that you're giving me all this reassurance means that you're invested in it. So, like, let me give you the tools you need to give me the flavor of reassurance that I will find most helpful. Mm, and hopefully, that's... that last two minutes was helpful for someone else because I'm speaking to myself in this exact moment. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna send a text when we're done recording. It's fine. <laughs> that's making me think about love languages and their applications for worship because. Mm. Uh, I know this is not the case for everybody, but like my love language is definitely words of affirmation, like pretty much always has been, which Mm -hmm. means for me that like a lot of times love and appreciation that are being shown in nonverbal ways will kind of fly right over my head or like won't really feel like enough. Um, And so I think it's useful to be aware of your love language and your partner's um, Mm -hmm. in terms of worship because, you know, like because I like words of affirmation, oftentimes words are part of the way that my partner worships me. Like they'll be talking in between kisses or licks or whatever about what they like about my body. Um, Mm. And that together with the sensations and the visuals and everything like really creates this feeling of uh, shored up self-esteem for me that I don't think would be possible without that verbal element. Yeah, no, that that's making a lot of sense to me as you're saying that um i don't think that would have necessarily occurred to me to articulate in that way but that's definitely would be important to my experience of that um Mm -hmm. i also respond particularly well to words of affirmation just because they're just so literal there's no interpretation to them there's no like (laughs) you goddamn you said the thing that you like me shit look at that i just have it right here (laughs) Um, my partner literally says to me like almost every day like I love you I'm so glad we're married I'm so glad we're in love (laughs) like they just always say this stuff to me like thank you you get it yeah yeah and I think it's so important to recognize how valuable those things are because you're right if I like planned a 20 minute cock worship scene right Mm -hmm. and someone was worshiping my dick which honestly like I would probably feel a little insecure about because like I still have some bottom dysphoria and feelings and things Mm -hmm. um that like and they were doing it somewhat silently even if it's because they were blowing me the whole time and their mouth was (laughs) full right um which would make sense I would probably become increasingly nervous um Mm -hmm. And I would almost certainly no longer feel like I was being worshipped. I would no. Mm. I would be hard for me to maintain that uh, headspace and that kind of focus on intention without mm. the regular uh, affirmations that would come with like any sort of verbal compliments and the reminders, and also just the uh, the way that it would ground me in my connection with them to hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And this does not need to be very complicated, dirty talk. Like if you're hearing mm -hmm. this and you're like, oh, no, but I don't know what to say. Like, just really, you can just say stuff like, you taste so good. I love doing this. Do you like the way my mouth feels? Like you can keep it really, really simple. Um, mm -hmm. Compliments are always good. Uh, yeah, it does not need to be flowery. Yeah, I would, if you're feeling particularly nervous, you can uh, talk to your partner beforehand about, like, obviously you want to figure out what language they like for their body. You're probably going to figure that out while you're negotiating a scene. They're not going to be like, you want to worship this and just point <laughs> vaguely. Like, they'll probably <laughs> name it. Um, <laughs> but it may also be helpful to... Sorry, that uh, would be so funny <laughs> if someone did that. <laughs> <laughs> worship this, this, th that one, th this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but it may also be helpful to talk to them about, like, what do they like having it called, right? Do they mm -hmm. like talking about how big it is or how hard it is or, you know, whatever? Um, understanding the things that make them feel good about it and the language that makes them feel good about it uh, and having a conversation with them beforehand can just help you feel so much more confident in what you're saying. Because mm -hmm. as you're saying it, you can literally like pull up that little reminder of like, no, these they said these words to me like 30 minutes ago, and we're <laughs> really excited about them. So clearly, I'm saying the right words. I got I, I have the cheat sheet, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so important. I was just reading this thread in the sex subreddit the other day, mm. where a man was complaining that uh, his girlfriend always says during sex like that his dick is so big and he knows that mm. he's actually average size and it makes him feel sort of like condescended to. Uh, and I was like, that's an interesting point. Because like, first of all, like it, it is possible that she actually experiences him as feeling big. Like she could mm -hmm. be telling the total truth about her own experience there. But also if for whatever reason you're not of the mindset that bigger is better, that may not land as a compliment right. in the way that the person wants it to. So yeah, it's good to know like what words feel cool and what words don't. Mm -hmm. I'm curious since we're talking so much about kind of the verbal element of this, um, as someone who has a lot of, has spent a lot of their relationship long distance, is this something that you've ever done long distance or that you think could be done long distance? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I would say we do that at least a couple times a week. Um, Love that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like, you know, so there's lots of different ways to have phone sex. And one of the ways that you can do it is to describe verbally what you would be doing to the person or like what you are doing in this kind of shared mm -hmm. imaginative space. And certainly within that framework, you can describe any kind of worship you're going to do, kissing, licking, and like intersperse that with compliments or uh whatever the person wants to hear um yeah it can definitely be done and sometimes my partner will do a thing where they'll have my hands be their hands and they'll like tell me where to move my hands and and how Ooh, to touch like myself that. uh as part of worship so you know if i'm like grabbing my thighs or stroking my belly or whatever um which helps it feel more like grounded in actual reality mm -hmm. and because I know you spend a lot of your relationship on the bottom side of the slash, it sounds like you do a lot of this body worship or receive a lot of this body worship as the bottom or as the submissive. Um, I know we touched on that, but can you talk, I guess, a little bit more about 
what that looks like. I know we've been talking about that a lot so far, but I do feel like it's a little different than what people expect. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I think that, like, this reminds me of the question, which is a fairly common question in, like, cishet kink conversations, is, like, Mm. how can I, as, like, a masculine dom... Uh, go down on my partner without feeling submissive and I was always like well why would you feel inherently submissive about that like Mm -hmm. you know examine that within yourself because a dom you know depending on what you've negotiated of course gets to do what they want to do like they their desires are ostensibly uh, leading the scene and so like mm-hmm. if they want to perform cunnilingus on someone like that's what we're going to do if that person's into that <laughs> right like to me there's mm-hmm. nothing submissive about that to be like I want to taste you this is what I want to do to you I'm going to do it Right. Um, it's just all in the way that you approach it and I think like part of the reason why Matt is able to do that is that they have like fully integrated and owned up to the fact that they like love cunnilingus Um, like they like it inherently for how it feels to give it, um, which I think a lot of people, um, you know, maybe haven't like fully realized about themselves or like haven't allowed themselves to, to realize, like, I think that there's like an implication for some people that it's like unmasculine or undominant or something. And that's Mm. just, you really got to work through that and then see it as something that you're doing for your own pleasure, I think. Right. I think, I mean, I think it's hard, particularly for cis dudes, um, to imagine things as existing for their pleasure and not having to do with their dick. Yeah. Like, I think that's. It is a reframe. You do kind of have to. Yeah. I think that people with vaginas, like, not to paint with broad strokes, like, some of them, I think, have a different relationship to this idea be- because penetration is not inherently immediately pleasurable to all of us. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times your initial sexual experiences might be things that feel sort of like, eh, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that there's like already this feeling of like, okay, sex is not about me receiving the direct genital stimulation that is going to imminently make me orgasm. Okay, I can think about sex in a whole different way as a result. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And you find that with worship, it can similarly be framed as I am worshiping you because I want to as the dominant and because I am, it delights me to do so. Yes. Yeah. I also think of it like uh, almost similar to when I'm having a hard mental health day and my partner goes, I'm going to give you a spanking and the purpose of the spanking is for you to be reminded that you're good. Like we just mm-hmm. define that as the purpose and we'll do that in various different ways. Like I could say I'm a good girl in between every hit or something like that. Like it's like the opposite of a punishment. It's like positive mm-hmm. discipline. And I think in the same way, um, giving body worship to a submissive can be like, I'm doing this for your own good, for your own improvement in some way, whether it be the improvement of your self-esteem, your self-image, or just for you to experience more pleasure. Like it's something that I'm doing for your own good because that's what I think you need as a dominant. And to me, that's Mm -hmm. very powerful. Like that very much feels like I'm being taken care of the way that a dominant can take care of a submissive. Yeah, there is absolutely a flavor of this that is almost being like force-fed self-esteem. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> that feels a little bit like you're going to listen to me tell you how great you are because I know you can't believe it right now. And I know you probably like are going to roll your eyes and don't even want to hear it right now. But I'm the boss, so you're going to have to hear how great you are right now. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's and- so true. <laughs> well, and that always reminds me of that panel we saw. Oh, God, it was at Woodhull, right? I think where uh, our friend Andy was talking about how it is helpful to sometimes just hearing a dominant say a thing can help you believe it because you're like, well, I put the trust in this person to be in charge, and I have decided that they are in charge and right about things, and the things they are saying is that I am great. So I mm-hmm. guess. They are right that I am great. <laughs> well, I'll I'll work on believing that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been doing a lot of thinking and writing lately about um, childhood trauma and like inner child work. Mm-hmm. And I've been reading about how like when you're a kid, um, the things that your parents do and say or your caregivers or whoever is around you obviously can have a big impact on you. Um and part of that is because you perceive as you perceive them as being wiser and um, having more power and more knowledge and more perspective. So what mm-hmm. you're more likely to accept what they say is true. And I feel that way about dominance. Like I think that there's something that happens in my brain that kind of puts me back in that similar mode where I just feel able, even though I know like as an adult on an intellectual level, I know Matt is like a flawed human being who doesn't always have all the answers. Mm-hmm. But there's some part of my brain that is just as able to be like, well, they're the dom and they said it. So mm-hmm. it must be true. And especially through repetition, it really gets in there. Like I really do have a way better body image now than I did before I was with Matt. That makes a lot of sense. And that's absolutely something I've experienced when I'm around people that I feel like particularly subby with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's There's just a, a part of my brain that like, I the rest of it can is like looking at it like why are why are we just trusting them implicitly <laughs> like the anxiety bits in my brain are like we have so much other evidence trust me I have a flowchart would you like me to bring the flowchart out again <laughs> and the subby bits like yes. no they said I'm excellent so I yeah. guess I'm excellent sorry <laughs> it's science yeah. I don't know what to tell you <laughs> <laughs> the science of dominance. All right, I have one other listener question here, which I really loved, um, and I thought would be a nice note to uh, bring us out on, which is, uh, what are some ways kink has brought you closer to the sublime? Hmm. So I'm interpreting the sublime here as meaning something like the divine or the supernatural or Mm -hmm. enlightenment or nirvana or something like that. Um. And this is something I actually really believe in with regards to sexuality is that it can be an avenue toward um, that meditative state that a lot of people are looking for when they meditate or when they do Mm -hmm. like hypnotherapy or even like lucid dreaming, psychedelic drugs. Like it can take you to a space that is um, sort of free and also like quiet and calm. Um, and I started noticing this when I was in my mid twenties and I, my anxiety was like at an all time high and because I was having a really stressful time at school and I was like on just like hypervigilant mode all the time, just like constantly stressing about everything that I had to do. Mm-hmm. And I would find that when I sucked someone's dick, it just went quiet. Like it just shut mm-hmm. down. And it was because I was like, 
I had had a couple experiences of like really focusing on someone's dick during a blowjob and like really concentrating on it and trying to clear my mind. And um, I think that having a couple experiences that showed me that that was possible, like really made me want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really just like a peaceful, nice, quiet place to be. Like I don't have to worry about all the things that I'm going to do. I have this one task in front of me. And there may be a goal, it may be orgasm, but like in many body worship situations, like that's not even the goal. Like the goal is just to do what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and to feel good and to make another person feel good. And it is really calming and centering in the way that like sitting down and making art or playing music can be. Like it's just a way to like get in touch with a different side of my brain and like sort of calm down the anxious part. Uh, and it's really beautiful. And like, to me, it is kind of spiritual. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think about this? Yeah, no, I, I super agree. One of the things that draws me most to kink is the ways that it is able to like bring me into that altered state and also, I don't know, allow me to kind of go on adventures in my own mind, um, Mm -hmm. and to explore all kinds of different altered states and headspaces and feel like try on a feeling for an evening, try on an experience for an evening. Um, and I definitely feel like it, you know, we've talked a lot about subspace and other altered states and the way they bring us to this. Yeah. This like meditative place, this connection with myself and an exploration of my body and my mind and all of the things that it can feel and explore and, I definitely think kink in all kinds of forms uh, allow you to access that. Um, and that is why I also like definitely relate to it as a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think of worship in that context, it becomes a little less about like this intentional worship of the people that I am playing with or them worshiping me, right? This, which that feels very rooted in a power dynamic, which like we love power dynamics. That is certainly (laughs) a thing we play with. Um, Mm -hmm. But I definitely also think, I don't know, it, it plays a role more broadly in just like, these things that we do, these kinky things that we do are a way of like, at least in the way I experience them feel like a way of worshiping myself and my relationships and not Mm -hmm. like the, the, the connection that we create together, the, the thing that is beyond just the individual of the two of us, whatever that is, right. Mm -hmm. A way of worshiping that rather than worshiping the like, physical person in front of me in some in a power dynamic sort of thing Hmm. um and that got kind of big and philosophical but I hope you get where I was going with that (laughs) yeah yeah that makes sense to me that's nice thank you so much for joining us for this meandering discussion of worship I have been Kate Sloan I have a sex blog at girlyjuice.net I recently posted a list of resources there about the intersections of trauma and polyamory So if you've ever tried to do non-monogamy and found yourself having sort of like attachment crises, um, like intense distress that did not feel like regular jealousy, uh, maybe that's something for you to check out. (laughs) That again is at girlyjuice.net. I also write a weekly newsletter at katesloan.email. I have a book out 
which has, as we mentioned, lots of sections on different types of body worship. You can find that at 101kinkythings.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where is your stuff? I'm Bex. You can find all my writing and information about my workshops at bextalksex.com. I teach every Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern on Zoom, so you can find my full schedule at bextalksex.com or by searching Bex Caputo on Eventbrite. I'm also very naked on the internet, so if you go to at Billy Lore on Twitter, you'll find all my links there, or as of uh, like three hours ago, you can go to billylore.com and see the pretty new website I built uh, that links to all of the places where you can throw money at me. Exciting. Together we're the Dildorks. You can find us at thedildorks.com or by going to patreon.com slash thedildorks. Toss a couple of bucks our way and help us keep doing what we're doing. For $6 a month gets you access to our Discord where you can come chat with us. And for $12 a month, you get access to our exclusive Patreon-only bonus episodes where we talk about a little bit more personal stuff that we have going on in our lives and all weird sexy stuff we've been getting up to recently. Yeah, we're recording the next one soon, and I have been keeping a list. <laughs> oh, excited. I'm so excited to hear. <laughs> I'll probably just yell about sleep no more. I should have some sex between now and then, so I have something better to talk about. <laughs> I mean, if there's sexy stuff in it, sure. No, I'm just chat. obsessed. No, I'm just obsessed. <laughs> oh, you're having a hyper focus. I know that feel. I know. All right. Um <laughs> I want to say thank you also to our top tier Patreon supporters who we thank every week on this show. Thank you so much to Tiffany, Amelia, Stabitha Christie, Nat, Argo, Matthew, and our newest top tier Patreon supporter, Suki. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you also to Protodome, who did our theme song. You can find his music at protodome.bandcamp.com. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. She is at starboots underscore on Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Beducated. Don't forget to use the link in our show notes and the coupon code DILDORKS, that's D-I-L-D-O-R-K-S, for 65% off a yearly pass. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. I teach every seven thir- every seven thirty. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> nope. That twice, so a day, twice a day, every day, twice a day, every day.